Hello and welcome to A Girl, A Guy, and A Buffy podcast. I'm Charles. Hi, and I'm Kate. And we are here, we are two friends discussing Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all its wonders and glory. We talk about all things Buffy. We do, uh, we are a spoilery Buffy buffy podcast so uh if you have not watched the show please go back and watch it but today we're doing a little bit something different for this bonus episode we are going to be doing (gasps) drum roll please (laughs) we are going to be doing an overview and a review of slayers of buffy verse story so excited Now, please be forewarned. This is your spoiler alert. If you have not listened to the entire Audible audio series of Buffy, uh, uh, Slayers of Buffyverse Story, please go finish listening to that before you listen to Our Girl and a Guy and a Buffy podcast, because we are going to spoil the heck out of this book series uh this has been like like 20 years in the making <laughs> like we've been waiting this forever i was like a kid on christmas <laughs> yes i definitely was super excited to listen for the first time when it popped into my audible app about a month ago so okay what was what were your what was your like first thoughts like when you first heard that it was coming out what was the the thing that came to mind Oh, my first thoughts. I don't think I can remember that far back. I mean, I think I was like super excited, but of course, lots of questions. I wasn't as confused about the format, um, I think, as some people were, because I knew that even though it's going to be on Audible and people think of Audible just as um, like books on tape, mm-hmm. Um I was like, well, it's not a book. I knew that. So I was like, it must be some sort of like radio drama, which I actually growing up some on when we were younger, my mom started on trips, um, like car trips, going to the library and pulling tapes of old timey radio shows and like radio dramas. So like I was actually had a history of listening to them. So that's kind of in my head what I was picturing. Um, And of course, like, you know, we knew some of the key characters who were going to be involved in it. Um, But you're like how is this going to work? And when you know there's alternate or there's universe crossing, but like, what does that mean? And yeah, so many questions, <laughs> always questions. So many. So I was originally thinking, so I wasn't, I was a little unclear at first. I was like, is this, um, you know, is this a book? Is this a podcast? Like, is it, you know, is this radio drama? What is this? Um, and then when I saw it was like broken up into episodes and different things, I was like, well, then this must be sort of like, you know, an audio drama, uh, like some sort of like podcasty sort of scripted drama, um, which those I love. I love a good like scripted podcast thing. Um, I mean, when <laughs> I did a horrible production, not horrible, it was a weird production of Ten Little Indians in college that we got that got turned into a radio drama. So it was super weird, like, but it was live on stage. It was a it was a wild time. Um, not, not what any of us had signed up for. But I am so glad that all like the original cast members signed up for this because yeah, it, that's the thing that really was like the spark of joy and that it was like, oh, it's charisma and James and Anthony, like they're all back. And it's and it's just so it's just it's a delight. I, don't have I mean, it's exciting to see that they're still as passionate 
um, about the series because I can completely understand being like, that was 20 years ago. I'm done. I've moved on. Some of us have really, you know, had really bad experiences during that time. I don't want to revisit it. Uh, so I could completely understand, you know, people not coming back or a lot of the main um, actors for our favorite characters not coming back. So the fact that they did so much love and appreciation for them doing that um, and, you know, agreeing to be a part of it. Yeah. And there's, there's this thing I think about like sort of a love for each other as like human yeah. beings and being friends and stuff like that. Because when you looked at some of the, um, some of the, the the clips that that audible was using as promotion for it and like just those moments of like amber benson like crying she was like i'm so happy that this happened and everyone came back like you can tell that there's genuine love between yeah. those people and how they um how they interact with each other and how they've kept in touch with each other over the years definitely and i think as fans we always hope that's the case yes you know and you have to recognize it's it's still a workplace for them and if you think about places you've worked you do not always get along with people you are not always family with people right. um but you know when you watch them playing these characters and you see them as your family uh so you want behind the scenes to be that way so it's always nice to know when it it is and it it does happen that way it's wonderful i mean it's it's so exciting and the idea that like the the pivot of this story i mean they talk about it's a buffy verse story and it we're not talking we're not talking about buffy like we've already established that buffy is not involved in this yeah um and that there's this this idea that there's going to be some sort of redemption you know for these beloved characters that fans kind of felt like got a bum deal and you know in their storytelling and what happened to them so i think that's really exciting to get a chance to believe is you know a redemptive arc for their characters yeah that's a really good point um since amber was you know part of the writing and directing team of it all and i'm sure i imagine and again i don't know i wasn't in the room i wish i was i really wish i was <laughs> <laughs> Next time, you guys, next time, just I just want to be a fly on the wall. I will pay for that privilege just to sit in a recording session with that. But I, you would think that hopefully everyone kind of comes to the table with some ideas. You know, the story has written, but some collaborative, you know, this collaborative art making, um, which would be really exciting to be like, what's the back and forth that's happening behind the scenes and all of that. I think that's exciting. Yeah, I'm sure they talked about it at the press appearances particularly the conventions they've been appearing at i'm sure you got more backstory about how the whole production came together but it would have been fun to see even more like promotional videos about yeah. that yeah Ugh. i want i want to sit down and talk with all of them about this i'm so, like this is <laughs> i mean it's new buffy con it's new buffy verse I guess we have to get used to saying that, like Buffyverse content yes. um, and changing our language around that. But like, yeah, new Buffyverse content in, you know, in 20 years. And it's so, oh, it's just so exciting. It's so exciting. Like that, stuff that's not comic book based, you know. I mean, yeah. I don't even remember when the last comic came out. It's been a while. It hasn't been it's that been a long, while. But not, yeah, it's been several years. Long. I mean, they've rebooted the series in comics where they went back to high school. Mm -hmm. And, but like, there's been different storylines. Like, I think if I remember reading correctly, like an article about the comic coming out, like Willow was already going to be um, gay 
like mm-hmm. already knew she was gay like in high school and gotcha and that was the only one i the only thing i remembered <laughs> yeah so they're kind of they've turned it very much into like a comic universe mm-hmm. you know where there's multiple runs of different comics and different versions of the verse um not having been a comic book fan i'm more just like stick it to the show you know i mean i think that's fine and fun but as far as like considering like what's actual like i guess canon i'm much more like all about the shows personally so here's the question here's the like million dollar question yeah do you consider this to be canon i I do which it sort of throws off my own take on everything because technically the first run of comics that were directed by Joss Whedon, like seasons, what they considered seasons eight through 12. Mm -hmm. I mean, it built on what happened in Chosen. And I guess partly why it's more a case of what do I like? What do I don't like? And I have, there was a lot I didn't like about that run of the the comics. So that's why I don't want to consider it. (laughs) I think many of us... I like what happened in Slayer's a Buffyverse story, so I'm like, yes, I'm fine with considering that canon. <laughs> so really, that's what it comes down to. Did Kate like what happened or not? <laughs> and does that make it canon? I'm here Correct. for it. No, I'm here for it because I honestly like I like I've read some, I read the comic book. It's been a very long time, and so I kind of remember some stuff that happens, but not everything. Um, I'm definitely not an expert in the comics. Um, but I do know, like, there's stuff in there, like, Don and Xander have a baby and all that stuff, and that's just weird to me, and I just, I can't really buy that. Um, it doesn't <laughs> feel right. It makes me feel weird. Um, I have to go back and look at it all again, and just, like, yeah. maybe that's, maybe that's some wintertime reading that I go back and, like, revisit yeah. that. Um But I want to believe that this is canon. I want to believe that this is canon so that it can continue the lore and so that it can continue the story in a way. Because I think we all, everyone keeps talking about, oh, well, should there be a reboot? Should there not be a reboot? Oh, well, I don't want to reboot. Leave it alone. Blah, 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 blah. And there's all of those things. I just think that this is such a great way to do a reboot of the series in a way that for me works it just really works for me like it it brings back all the characters that you love it gives them new dimension new depth new life and it allows you to continue the story while still sort of touching back on all the old things that you really liked about it and making references back there and being like oh yeah i remember that that was so much fun so it feels for me, it feels fresh and new and and delightful, quite frankly. I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. So for me, I'm considering it canon, whether it is or not. Also, they got permission. They had to get permission from everyone who produced the show and who owned the rights to the show in order to do this in the first place. So I feel like if they said yes to this, then true but i mean that's true of the comics all the comics yeah but i feel like otherwise they couldn't do it (laughs) yes but i feel like this is different because we're talking about like the original actors coming back and doing it and especially considering everything that happened and all the stuff that's come out that this feels like an olive branch and a way for 
the artist to reclaim the art and also for the fans to reclaim the universe so that we can separate so that we can take some separation of something that we loved because we loved these characters we loved these actors playing these characters we loved this world that was created and there was something that wasn't so great about it and so we're separating those two things a little bit more and that and that's the thing that i love about it so i'm 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 in i'm all in on it i'm all in on it yeah no i agree i mean i would have been okay with some sort of continuation reboot of like in tv if there was a story that made sense sure um you know even if it only brought back if there were any interest in it but if it only brought back a couple old characters and most of it was new um certainly with the way chosen ended you it opened it up for an incredible amount of storytelling potential mm-hmm. following sure. other slayers um you know following a branch of the whatever the new council is called like you know, assuming they set up offices around the world, you could follow, you know, you could be in Japan, you could be in, you know, Africa, you could be wherever, um, in New York City. So, um, you know, I think there was always potential there, but it, this, the doing the radio drama through Audible, I think is a fantastic way to do it and still be able to bring back the actors uh, who originated these characters and not, mm-hmm. and not just necessarily have to go in a completely new direction. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm totally in. Right now, I'm considering it canon, um, as well. I, I think it continues the the story um, of the Buffyverse in a overall in a really good way. Yeah, and so the story itself picks up. So we're there's some debate. I say yeah. it's ten years. I like. I think it's ten years after Chosen. That's kind of what I have sort of sussed out. Okay, so I think I don't. I feel like there's a little, they're off a little in their math because I know at one point during his like beginning narration, Spike says it's been a dozen years or something about a dozen years. So that was like 12 years. And then I did the math of Cordelia t- being chosen at 15. She's been a slayer for 19 years. Uh, that means it's 2015, which would be a dozen years. But then Indira says she um, was in kindergarten right. when the Slayers were activated. All the Slayers were activated, which usually is six years old in the U.S. Five or six. Five or six. I mean, it depends. Most are six going, you know. Depending into... on when her birthday is, because I was five in kindergarten. And I yeah, have a but, summer um, birthday. But it's changed a lot since we were younger. Like, well, when true. I was when I, when I was that age, you could actually still go in at, like, four years old. If right. you were, like, just past the cutoff. Um, so she could have been five. So that would, but either way, that's only like 10 or 11 years. <laughs> right. So, and I felt. I, there's a little bit of math issue. Like, she, they I, should have said she was like in preschool. Or like right. I literally pre-K. thought they said somewhere. And I, and I swear I've listened. I'm going to have to listen to, to it a fourth time to like, because I think there is an actual number said, but because I do remember him saying a dozen. Yeah. But for so, uh, for whatever reason that 10 years is sticks in my head because I think there was something sort of definitive that said that but I can't remember what that thing is right now. So I feel bad about not knowing that. But we're looking at 10 to 12 years. Yeah, so it's either 2013 that. or 2015. Or yeah, somewhere in there. So yeah. we're still looking at a time like 
iPhones came out around like 2008-ish. So iPhones, so we're like an iPhone like three or four land or whatever. Oh, yeah, like, like we're still early. But also the Buffyverse has never been big on like the use of technology and the use of like modern day technology and their storytelling. Um, True. So I, I feel think... like that would start to change though. I think part of that was like, he didn't want to make, it too easy but then i think at one point which is why they get like cell phones in season seven if everybody's doing cell phones and smartphones like it doesn't make sense to artificially be like oh like nobody has a smartphone like really everybody has a smartphone but and they... you're like oh go ahead go ahead no it just it would seem i mean some of the characters might not i could see spike still being like a flip phone person um but that being said like they would all i would they would all have phones to me but that's <clears throat> so here's the thing is that the only person who has a phone is Indira. True, but we don't know what technology is like in the other universe. Right, but e when we're even when we're in like the universe that we know, yeah, you know, all the con like when the whole conversation, like when they're trying to reach dials and all that stuff, Spike is going at like Spike doesn't have a cell phone. Like yeah, Spike that's, doesn't. Have that's Spike like refusing. Right. Spike to, like... does not have a cell phone. Yeah, um, they are Spike and Clem are not rolling around with like an iPhone four. <laughs> right. Right. They just they just right. don't have it. Because he's going into gas stations borrowing phones to make phone calls on a landline. And Giles doesn't have one either because he's freaking uh, maybe he does. Maybe I was like technically we don't know that he does it. It's just that he could have left the shop so quick without Anyanka yes. attacking that he right. didn't have his. Yeah. Because Olivia has one. Correct. Because yes, yeah, so we know Olivia has one. So right. Maybe he does, and he just left his at home. Yeah, I feel like Olivia would be like super on top of like trends and like being making Giles like join Facebook <laughs> <laughs> and like getting his like artistic profile profile pic. I just uh, I just have... see her like doing that so you can still stay connected to the like quote unquote kids, even though they're all in their like thirties now. Well, here's the thing. You know that the bookstore has like an Instagram page. Like oh, there's like, totally. like an Instagram page for that bookstore. That's actually no, no, it's a MySpace page. He fully has a MySpace page because Insta <laughs> hasn't even like if we're at when did Insta come out? It was Insta around in 2013 or 2015, maybe early remember. days. Yeah. There's definitely a Twitter page going on for that bookstore <laughs> like yes. a facebook page maybe in my space no you know that giles has like a part-time person helping him who's young sure. and like totally handles all the like the website that's what they... olivia's doing <laughs> olivia... no, i totally see him having a part-time help who's like in their early 20s and like going to college or something and you know they're handling the website they're handling the social media and just like always ragging giles on about it he can't get it right he just yeah. can't get it right um <laughs> he's calling it like instabook or twit or like... although and and they do and you know Indira is plugged in because she does they are making references and again it shows like the disconnect in technology because yeah. Indira does talk about you know she's all in the subreddits and all of that stuff yes. and Clem is like oh what angsty tink slang like <laughs> Like, he doesn't know what a Reddit page is. Yes. Well, as we're, like, slowly learning about Clem, Clem is, like, super old. I'm freaking loving Clem. Like, oh, my God. I think I... Clem is, like, my new favorite character. Like, I... so happy they included him. He 
killed it. Brilliant choice to add Killed Clement it. to this. And to, so, okay, so let's talk about, so our, yeah. we're kind of like all over the place and we might be all over the place with this because yeah. there's just so much to talk about and it's just yeah. so juicy. It's so juicy. All right, so overall impressions, sense sense of the story, how do you, how do you feel about the whole thing? <sighs> okay. I'm sorry, my excitement is, I'm really trying hard to contain my excitement about this book. Listeners, um, we are doing this on Zoom so I can see him. I think <laughs> the excitement is like literally pouring out of his pores. Like I literally, there was, I'm not going to lie, there were multiple times that I cried. Um, and several times that I got chill bumps and I just, and several times that I clapped. And like was so excited about things that were happening 100%. and things that were said. Um, for like I said before, I think for me this was just one of the best ways to sort of do to reintroduce these characters, this content, to give us this the story, to make something old new again that felt fresh and familiar all at the same time. And it just, and it, for me, it just, as a fan, I just was like, I was here. It was like meeting old friends again and being like, oh my gosh. And then you just picked up right where you left off. That's how I felt. Um, And then you got, and I liken it to like your friends that you know on college or whatever, like friends you knew, like when you were like younger in your twenties or whatever, and you haven't seen them in like 20 years, 15, 20 years. And then you meet them again and you see them and the vibe is right and you all are catching up and you're like oh this is great but then you really start talking and you really get a chance to like know what they've gone through and really talk about it and you're like and i'm still here for it like we may have gone through things things have changed but i am still here for you and i'm still like i want this thing to work i want this friendship to be a thing that's how i felt (laughs) Yeah, I can totally see that. It's a good analogy. How um, about you? So yeah, so during the first listen, which I binged within the like first couple of days of it coming out, I felt the same way you did. I was so excited. I got I clapped at times. There were definitely emotional moments that made me tear up. So many laughs. I was impressed with the references and callbacks, but mm-hmm. that they were used in a way that worked and it what didn't feel gratuitous just to be like, oh, look what we're doing for the fans. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I really loved it. It did take me back to that world and I felt super connected to the characters and just back amongst friends again. It's such, I mean, yeah, it was, it was such Crazy. a good thing. So then I did a second listen, mostly because I had tapped out on like all my podcasts that week. And I was like, I got nothing else to listen to. I was like, let me go back and re-listen and definitely enjoyed it by this third listen. And partly because I was doing it for the podcast and like taking notes and it was a little more chore like because I was had to pay attention so much. There was a little bit a sense of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't quite have the same level of how to describe it. I was going to say excitement. I think that's part of it. I think the excitement just wore off. Um, so it's more like what comes next. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like absolutely. I, I want to know that there's more coming. I think that's part of it. 
yeah, I'm so I'm over. I'm so glad it exists. I'm so glad they did it. I want more. I hope we get more. Um, you know, you and I, the other day, we were kind of prepping for this, like was wondering how well did it do? And so this is about what more like three weeks out since it premiered. And we saw that it was like number 10 on the rankings of Audible's most popular um, listens. And so we were like, yay, even three weeks in, it's still within the top 10. So that's a good sign. Like fingers crossed if the, if the story's there and the, the actors want to return or new actors want to uh, uh, come in because obviously we were left with a cliffhanger with a couple characters. Yeah. Um. So there's potential for the return of some other characters. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm so there for it. I think yeah, and I think it's important to to remind people that like at the time we're recording this, so we're recording this on November first. Yeah. So we're um and it's this will come out because we still have um other episodes of our first season coming out so this is kind of bonus episode for for our first season so um this is going to come out a couple of weeks after we have recorded it so but yeah when we looked it was still in the top 10 which means i'm hoping that like on that first day you know it was hopefully up in the top five or whatever you know because they put i feel like and maybe it's just because the algorithm knows us so well. I just felt yeah. like I am like constantly inundated with ads for um for this audio series and I'm I'm loving it and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. I have no problem with that one. Right. I want more. Like you said, I want more. And yeah, I I have I am in a third listen at this point. And so and it, they happened all so quickly. So I've been, you know, listening to it, like, basically, like, once a week. Um, and so, yeah, you know, so <laughs> essentially kind of, like, loses. I mean, you got to give it a little time to come back Agreed. to it. Um, but I wanted to get some of the details right for this conversation. So that's why I went back and did a lot of listening to it um, and a, sort of a deep dive into it. Yeah, same for me. I wouldn't have necessarily done my third listen so quickly if I wasn't trying to prep for this and remember right. some of the details. Um, so yeah, I agree. I, like I need time. I need a break. And then at some point, I'm sure I'll go back and listen again or, you know, it'll be interesting. Like, will I listen to favorite chapters the way you kind of, you know, watch favorite episodes? Oh, I love that. I do like that <laughs> idea of like being like, and I think again, a great reason to break it into these sort of chapters or whatever yeah. into these episodes, because you could listen to yeah. some of your favorite things. Um, Any other overall impressions? I will say I thought, and I think it's a combination of writing, but the, I think a lot of it is the actors as well. I mm -hmm. was incredibly impressed that they for the most part nailed the humor of the show like the quippiness was so there so on point and even mm -hmm. like the new actress particularly um the actress playing indira mm -hmm. she got that like sense of buffy quippiness um buffy verse quippiness i should say and I, that made me so happy in some ways i think i was m probably most concerned about that because i think Humor in general is always harder to nail. Uh, yeah, harder to nail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is such a specific voice. So the fact that that, to me, in, in my view, it completely happened. I was thrilled. So I would, I will agree to that statement. 
and I will slightly kind of not disagree because I, yeah. I think there is some there's some great stuff about it. I think there's some really fantastic um humor in this yeah. and like the banter works really well and some and we get we get some of that. Um I think because you know, because you've got these two new writers who weren't originally writers on on the show to begin yeah. with, they have their own style of writing. They have their own yeah. way of doing things, and I think it works. Though what I what I do think is that they have sort of the echoes of those things in there that they want to like bring into it. Mm -hmm. um, but they also, I think, they were smart to do this. Like, alt we're talking about alternate versions of yes. these characters, so that it doesn't have to be the same. So that if it's not quite the same as we hear on TV, that's okay because it's not the same versions of these characters. It is a slightly well, altered half of, them. half of them. But I think with like and because we like Spike feels very much right on point. I think they did a really good job with Spike. We knew so little about Clem yeah. that great Adira, fantastic. We don't yeah. even know her. So like all the people who were in the uh, like in the universe that we know they could they could make everything up. So I think the yeah. only person that they really had a ton of source to work with is Spike. And I think and they Giles. did a and Giles, yeah. And I yeah. think they did a really good job with both of them. Yeah. Um, and creating the and continuing the voice of both of those characters that felt authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even so, even if things didn't feel quite the same with the characters from our universe particularly spike and giles because we did spend so much time with them i mean you can always be like it's been 10 or 12 years people change mm -hmm. so i mean not that they're going to be like radically different but i that time difference i think was super smart that really builds in um some wiggle room within the storytelling within the character development because there's this gap of time we don't know what's happened to them we don't know what they've gone through right in that time so we don't know how they've been changed in that way yeah and we're not we're always not going to get kind of like your humor can change a little bit things you, mm -hmm. you grow up you you get older i mean yeah i don't make nearly as many like you know, fart jokes as I did when I was, you know, when I was 12 or when I was 20. <laughs> I still love a good double entendre every now and then. I mean, I love that. Um, I love that. Those are my favorites. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for it. Some things never change, but, you know, and that's the thing that we get is that some things never change. And like, right. even across universes, like, you know, even across several universes, Cordelia still has some of that Cordelia swag about yeah. her. Um, it's just, it's, but it's slightly different and it's slightly just like yeah. changed a little bit. So I love that. Yeah. Whew. Um, what else? I mean, I just loved so much about the thing. I just, I loved I loved meeting new characters. I loved yeah. the introduction of these new characters that I wanted to know more about and could see as like, you know, if this was a series like as season regulars, like I could imagine like Miranda being like one of the big bads that keep coming back over and over again had Clem not like eaten her, <laughs> eaten her head off. Yeah. Um, you know, that would have been a good thing, but you know. Yeah. 
here we are. That's yeah. that's where we are. Um, just the idea of even some of the interesting like characters that they created and some of the interesting monsters that might not be that you could that you couldn't necessarily create or would be more difficult to express like in the form like television um like buzz um when they're playing poker and you've got like buzz who is the embodiment of all the hummingbirds who have ever lived or died it was just such a like that one was the weirdest i was just like as i've listened to it three times and this is not a bad thing but i'm like that is the weirdest most like almost philosophical creature ever created in the Buffy verse and it's just so like out there and I'm like I'm not sure how I feel about it but that's okay I'm super intrigued by it and that's the thing that I liked about like that so that again so that's one of the things that I did like about it because you and I often talk about um and when we're talking about everything else in the regular series that they went for the emotion and they went for like the emotion as opposed to the storytelling and the world building of that. And I think this kind of does, I mean, I think they do a good job of hitting some of the emotional like high points, but it it really takes its time and tells the story and really does a lot of world building, which I think is really, really great because then it gives you so much more to go on if you want to continue it, especially if you're going to continue it in this audiobook form. So like overall, I, how did the story work for you? What did you think of the the story? Um, I, you know what? I liked it. I liked it. Um, I wasn't quite sure where we were going with it. I wasn't quite mm-hmm. sure what was happening with it. Um, but I, th- but what I liked was again the usage of the characters. I. What I really liked was how they used the characters and how they referenced um, other characters throughout. So, okay. Cordelia coming to our reality to get Spike to help her defeat Drusilla and her reality. Great. The idea... I will say... I didn't hate it. It just took me a minute to kind of like get into the swing of it and to mm-hmm. really sort of understand all of it. Was sort of the Anya, the Anya Anyanka stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this idea that Anyanka now has has a has a corporeal body that she has formed on her own and no longer needs a human host. Yeah. To sort of to get through, um, was something that I was like, oh, okay, but it's fine whatever she's the first to do it great this is like we're setting again they spend a lot of time world building all of these all of these sort of new ideas um and basically and like this and when i was just listening to um because i was just listening to like part of episode five um talking about the idea that like that seems to be the the situation with all of the the demons and vampires in this universe is that they all sort of like vampires and demons all exist not all all of them but like there are types of demons and vampires that exist on this like other ethereal plane that then when a dead body becomes available they can you know swoop down in and and consume that body and that feels like what they were at least that's how i understood Oh what yeah, they that's were how saying. I, 
that's how I interpreted it. No, I agree. They're not saying all demons are that way, but they were saying for sure vengeance demons and for sure vampires. I mean, we kind of knew that about vampires. The yeah, the vengeance demon aspect threw me, and I went back and forth on like liking. It, not so much liking, not liking is kind of wrapping my head around it. But in some ways, it makes a lot of sense because you're like, Anya was human. Then she did a bunch of spells that attracted to Hoffren and he elevated her to a demon. So how do you elevate someone to a demon who's not, uh, you know, already demon um, that's trans, you know, is human and transitioning mm -hmm. so as i wrap my head around it i think overall i did like the concept that it's similar to like a vampire um being made i liked most the fact that they world build are mm -hmm. on that like i yeah. like that they added to the world building gave us some more details that you know we're always sort of like we just pull out what we need in order to tell this specific story and then we like forget about it again you're like well wait now this universe is left with this fact and then you may go down the road and do something completely different. You're like, wait, those are two completely contradicting elements of this universe. So I like that they did those. They they started to make more concrete some of that world building. Um, yeah. And once I kind of started to, to wrap my head around it, I was, um, I was, I liked the concept. It made sense. Yeah. And I think when, when we start talking about this idea of like vengeance demons and all of this other stuff and like, because we see it with 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 Ud and oh yeah Anya odd. odd and on and then later Anya and Cecily we're assuming Cecily we're assuming Cecily as Halfrick agreed the, I think the outstanding question in the universe is when was did she become a vengeance demon was right. she one then or after uh William t is turned does I, she become a vengeance I demon? I always think that she became a vengeance demon after William was turned, that it was a little bit later. But it's hard to tell because she's hanging out with Anya during the Russian Revolution. That's right. So, so that's okay. That's that's in that the early nineteen hundreds. That's the so early nineteen hundreds. It does work. Um, um, so I I like to think that it's after, but maybe not long after that he. Um, but like this idea that that because she was like oh you will become a vengeance demon like that's the thing is that it's a job offer the way that they set it yeah. up in the universe is that it's a job offer hey, would you like to be this thing this other being and so this idea that they can merge together mm -hmm. that it's not a possession but it is a merger of this thing that you can become something different yeah does make sense it yeah. doesn't like it doesn't we just never had it before and so hearing it explained was like huh does that make sense i guess it does i don't know because we've never talked about it before and yeah. now we are and now we're talking about what does that truly mean to be a vengeance demon what does it truly mean to be a vampire and filling in that space and that's something that could have been done in the series but yeah. also I think is done nicely here. I yeah, so I really liked that. Um, you know, uh, Anya having a dog and all of that is lovely. Jasper, we love Jasper. Um, oh my god, yeah, that worked for me. Um, yeah. more the way they did it, like it just felt like there was a real dog there. That was really good. Yeah. 
Um, I really liked, even though it was mostly talked about because they were separated for most of um, the drama, mm -hmm. I liked that they made, in the alternate world, Tara and Anya best friends. It was such a yes. callback to the moment in the Yoko factor where mm -hmm. everyone is fighting and the two of them are in the bathroom doing thumb war and they're like, do you want to do thumb war? Yeah, sure. Okay. Right. And, like, Play thumb <laughs> war. and I was like, yes, that's because there was always like the potential for them to be friends as like the girlfriends, like because they were outside the main group. So I, I think it's great that they, tapped into that more in this universe even mm -hmm. though in this universe they're not the girlfriends right um, i liked that that was really good and that even xander is barely a blip on the radar but uh, interesting mm -hmm. interestingly jesse wasn't right jesse but was jesse, part of, right you know or at least he was around and somebody that cordelia had a crush on and she was you know um heartbroken when he was killed so and this isn't because because uh, anya says he so during the prom anya says that the master kills her boyfriend and her best friend and her watcher at the prom right is that what she says she says that oh, or gosh that... she does say something but i can't remember i know she he kills the sister he kills her right. sister i thought she said i thought she said i could be wrong i'll need to go back and fact check but i thought she said he kills her sister her her boyfriend her best friend and her watcher i know he's she says best friend and watcher yeah uh, you may be right um so i'm well, wondering if Justin no not her, her watcher because we know drew unless drew was with the master at the time drew sired giles oh right at the very That's end true. when he could That's when true. She, when she unlocks him, he says, "You made me, or you're my sire, or something like right. that." Right, but that, but that's the story that Anya knows. Like the story that Anya knows is that the master killed all of these people because Anya doesn't even know that Cordelia, the master, may have killed Sarah, but it was Cordelia who had to slay her. And that's the part that nobody right. knows is right. that she got locked in a room and had to kill her own sister. Right. Um, so the story that she tells is the master killed them all because essentially he did. Yes. Um, so I'm wondering yeah, either if Jesse... way, Harmony's dead. Jesse's dead. They think Giles is dead and yeah. we know Sarah is dead. Right. Um, and, yeah. Um, and, and I we know Willow is Jesse... a part of the world. I mean, I thought Willow was not a part of the world. I thought maybe she either left early. I mean, I could see like her mom getting some sort of job and they like leave Sunnydale. But then we find out at the end, obviously she's being held prisoner. So Xander and Willow were part of that world, but they obviously, I would guess, are not friends with Jesse. That's the impl you know, the implication. Maybe. But... Or, so and there's no telling of what happened really where Willow's thing is because we just know that yeah. she's a powerful witch who's been captured, though. Right. Um, you know, um, along with Amy and Ethan yeah. and um, and Alphania. Yeah. Which actually was one of, was I really enjoyed that callback to Alphania. Um, I did too, but I was like, how did she end up in Sunnydale? <laughs> that she was so in London. Yeah, well, she was in Devon. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, she's part of the Devon Coven that yeah. Willow goes to to be re 
um, for her rehabilitation. So I, I love that. I just, it was more, it's not a bad thing, but I'm like, question now, like, how did this happen? Where did she come from? Blah, 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 blah. What's going on? I mean, on? I have so many questions coming sure. out. Sure. You know, and again, it's an alternate, with the alternate, them being in an alternate reality, everything is like slightly different. Everything is a little bit, you know, same people in different places and times. So, yeah, it's just more of that. Like, I'm like, now I want backstory filled in because <laughs> we're like jumping in, you know, 10, 12 years ahead of their storyline. So we don't know what's happened in their universe other than some of these key things that get revealed. I'm just like, now I have more questions. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> and if there's more of the series, we might get some of those questions answered. Um, like the fact that how did uh, Cordelia was not born in Sunnydale? Because she was, as far as we know, was born in Sunnydale in our universe. And then they moved there and her parents got divorced and her dad wasn't rich. And now she has a sister. I'm like, how did that all happen? <laughs> what like what diverged between the two worlds i have so many questions like that it's just the way it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i don't think i mean i think it's fair to ask these questions because it'd be sure. one thing if it was like we were in new york city and like really different lives like that'd be one thing but like there's still enough similarity that you're like, so what were the little divergences? Like, did Buffy's parents not get divorced? Is that why she didn't move to Sunnydale, you know, and then she wasn't called or did she, you know, die in a car accident or, you know, like, but th it's the same for all of them. Like, what are the little differences? Cause there is a lot of similarity and yeah. obviously like Spike was still made the same way. And we know Angelus ex exists, which means Darla exists. So like, you know, and the master exists. So like, what were the, I'm just, the little differences are just making my mind like, Ooh, what, 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 so many potential, so much potential. The nerd brain is going all crazy. It like, is, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um, oh, I, you know, another um, really subtle callback that I thought was so good. I'm just seeing this pop up in my notes is when Clem and Giles are in the zoo and there are human hyena hybrids. Running yes, around. yes. I was like, Oh yes. yes, that was awesome. Hyena people. I was like, that means that it happened, but they never got changed back. <clears throat> so that was, I thought that was really cool that they yeah. still existed. Um, yeah, it definitely felt like, um, and I don't know if it's, I can't remember if they said this or not. Um, if it's because of Spike and Drew kind of coming in and taking over and being, sticking more to a plan than Spike was prone to in our world, <laughs> in our right. universe. Um, but I was with, uh, Indira, when she said she pictured their Sunnydale to be like Escape from New York, that's totally what I was thinking. I mean, maybe, <laughs> you know, like it was much more demons run amok. Almost like amok, um, amok, amok. the wish verse. <laughs> <laughs> more wish verse. And I think yes. we're kind of half, we're, we're more than, you know, Buffy Sunnydale, but not quite wish verse level. Um, it felt like in that universe. That's how I was seeing it. I don't know about you. Because the fact that like the vampire was out there like busking and, you know, because playing the guitar was oh, a way yeah. to lure people in. Like right. you didn't see that in our Sunnydale. So I, I liked those like subtle differences. Yeah. I thought, again, it was a really good, I, there was some really nice nods to all of those things. Um, oh, so the one of the other things too that I really sort of found interesting compelling but also sort of like how do i feel about this i don't really know but i like it but maybe i don't um is the is is tara is all of the stuff with her um and 
I think what I think it was a little bit jarring to me at first with the like the switch when it was like evil Terra, you know, when it's witch queen Terra, and then it turns into when she turns and she's fighting her inner self into, um, you know, original recipe Terra. You know, th those <laughs> like like those were the things that I we really kind of, like where it kind of took through me for a loop for a minute. Sure. Um, but I got used to it, and I think it was just more of a, a again an understanding of what was truly happening. And mm -hmm. I think it becomes clearer as the story goes on that it, this is, again, more, this is not necessarily like, you know, Amy says it's not, you know, a multiple personality situation. This is like a true, like, invasion. Like, there's multiple people living in this one body trying right. to squeeze out the other one. Um, which, again, it's like this interesting this interesting concept and idea to like think about what that would look like on screen and how you mm -hmm. would portray that on screen um but i think in some ways Beth... i think it would be a little easier yeah yeah there's i think that having visual cues would make that um an easier story to tell i kind of almost pictured it like uh gloria and ben kind of like i sort of pictured it doing this sort of like back and forth where it was like this this sort of visual of like it's Tara now it's queen of you know um and which I thought was really interesting because I think there were a lot of like callbacks to Tara season five and this like Ben glory sort of idea of like these these multiple entities existing and sharing one body fighting control for this body and brain sucking and chain and like driving witches crazy by sucking out the magic out of them and then sending Ethan Rain out into the streets drained of his power walking around without knowing what's going on being all crazy and not knowing his name and all that stuff I just thought there were a lot of great like parallels between what she went through in season five and what this Tara is doing to other people yeah well I didn't actually ever see that um but you make a good point there is that comparison for that yeah I see that now um one of the things I thought they did really well is um putting doubt about whether Spike was turning back to evil both in the beginning when we first started because we weren't sure what was going on until you realize like no he's just working undercover and then when they go to the alternate world and he connects with Drusilla it was like most of the time I was like no he 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 fought too hard he you know he worked too hard to get there and his soul and I was like he's but I was like oh I'm not sure they I mean I definitely like put doubt in my mind and I thought it was done very effectively for sure I I mean there was a there was definitely a moment where I was mm -hmm. like wait what have yeah. we really like have we really gone through all of this just for him to be like you know what no I want the power back I want the power back I was like are you kidding I was like man so the payoff for all of that was fantastic I thought it was such a great um payoff i think the callback to like the gem of amara was so smart yes. i thought that was such a brilliant little like you know let's toss that in there yeah um yeah yeah i, I agree the payoff was and and the way james marsters played it was so perfect like the the vocal um the you know the way his vocal switched and the you felt like our spike was back and mm -hmm. as much as he cared for drusilla 
he was not going to give up what he had fought so long for, Um, or I should say fought so hard for, and has been, you know, um, kept the fight going these last 10, 12 years. I, I, I love that aspect of the story. Yeah. Um, I just like, so, you know, things that really, I think also the, like this idea, like of Kurgan's grimoire, like this whole, you know, this being the thing and like Tara being sort of the big bad or Kurgan really being the big bad that they kind of have to fight. Um, I thought that was such a, that was a really interesting plot point for me. Um, This idea of the sunlight spell and, and all of that stuff. And even Tara's conversion, like how she became Mm -hmm. evil was, was really, I think is really nice because unlike willow where willow was just like doing too much man i mean granted her her change came out of grief but you know we see a lot more of that before and maybe in this other universe we see maybe glimpses of that in this world's Terra. um but like the idea that she was like i was trying to do something good mm-hmm. like i heard that there was a spell that could make the moonlight like sunlight and so I have to try because you're so like because they're so powerful. And so if mm-hmm. I can make it happen, then um then great. Um I th- which I think is a totally viable like plot point for Tara to be like trying to do something good and it backfires and it didn't work the way that we want. I, but I also think that the the conversation that she has with Amy and the cell, not played by the original actress, by the way, um, right. she's the one who didn't come back um, of the people that they mentioned from before. But like the idea that she's so um, the fact that Amy is so hard on her about that choice felt a little like unnecessary but there and again you know it's like one of those things high sight is 2020 but it was like she was like well i would have done more research about it and it was like but if you're in a desperate time then why wouldn't you um and like she says it only takes like one day of stupid to mess up your entire life yeah i mean the show is certainly known for people just at times jumping in feet first without having all the information. So that's not like out of line of how the show has told stories or characters have behaved. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think that was the story that worked the least for me. Mm. And for me, it was because Tara did never had that in her. And so if we're going to see her have that in her, I need to see the like lead up to it. And I feel like we were just being told and I wanted to be shown to buy into it. The of like her of Tara of of this Tara that had you know a little bit of sort of that willowness in her and that mm-hmm. she um was a little more driven for the for the magic and the power. I'm not saying she's the same as Willow, mm-hmm. but and that she had the potential in her for that evil to take over. I just to me Tara was so about the white magic, and that was one of her strengths. Um. And this Tara seems like a stronger Tara because she's the one, as we learned, that taught Anya after Anya was stripped of being on Yanka. Right. Um, and so, you know, she obviously is a stronger person. She 
so that means that I just, I just needed more. Like I felt we jumped into it and we didn't get to see how we got there and I didn't quite buy into it. That's right. just how, how it worked for me. Yeah. And that was the least successful that and the drew Tara relationship mm. although didn't quite work for me. I mean, maybe it wasn't supposed to, um, I, you know, I could see that being part of it too. I do feel like, and this is where I, I think, I almost wish the whole thing about her Kurgan being more in control of Tara had come out sooner. And, and he was like there more because it, it just felt to me a little bit like Tara got possessed and now she's kind of forced to be in this romantic relationship. I know at the end she says, well, I guess it started off me feeling bad for her. And yeah, I did start to feel for her, but then she even says, did I actually feel for Drusilla? So mm -hmm. I, I know they weren't meaning it that way, but it just felt a little icky. It felt again, like Tara's not in control of her romantic sexual decision. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was hard for me to think much of that relationship. Um, it just felt like another, um, I can't think of the word. It felt like a loss of agency, another loss of agency. Sure. For, for Tara. Tara, yeah. I, it would have been more interesting if they just had them working together, but not romantically involved. I mean, I get that part of that was to divide Tara and Drew, but I still think if you brought Spack, Spack, if you brought Spike back, just him being there would distract Drusilla, whether Tara and Drusilla were together. Like, I didn't think that element needed to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and it would still, it could still divide them. Spike could still have Drew's ear and like Tara and Drew had a partnership, even if it wasn't romantic. I mean, I, th I think it still would work without the romantic part. So those were the two things that probably like worked the least for me. Mm. Um, no, I can see, I can see that point. I think yeah. like for me, the whole, the whole idea was I never thought of it as Tara being sort of like power hungry or anything. I felt that, like Tara, like Tara and Anya and Cordy are all fighting together, or like the you know the Scoobies in this universe, um, and trying to, you know, and trying to like stop Drew and Spike from taking over Sunnydale and doing all this other stuff. And so this rumor gets start. So they like Spike and Drew start this rumor about the grimoire to get Tara to use it, so that she becomes possessed by the spirit of of. Gergen. so I feel like it was like I feel like the decision was more out of desperation than it was out of like a power grab it was we need a way to stop them and we don't and like this could be it and if this is it we need to take our, we need to shoot our shot and whether someone was like hey let's hold off and think about this more or not is undetermined so in that sense yeah i would i would have liked to have like some more information about like what was that like what was that sort of journey and decision like um for her i agree like in terms of like her and drew being together like the actresses together loved it i thought like i liked the interaction between them I mean, you know, Tara, you know, Tara, the sexual relationship for me was, it was fine. It was, and I, and I liked it. I mean, I didn't hate it. Um, it, 
for me, it felt more like we're just we're here together because we're evil together. And mm. that just means that we're like we're just playing around and having a good time, doing evil things together, plotting and scheming. And well, since we're here and, you know, you're a lesbian and I'm a vampire without a soul we and we're both feeling a little evil let's just have a little like let's just have some fun which makes sense i mean it makes sense for something like that that to happen between those two people in that situation and does tara ever truly love her i don't i don't think so i mean i don't think it's ever truly love i think it was you know the evil and the possession of kurgan and all of that stuff that was sort of allowing that to happen which i which to your point does take away some of her agency and and what she's and who she is with and what she is doing because even even the like tara the original recipe tara inside is like trying to inform decisions about like don't kill cordy and anya like you don't kill these people don't do so she's at least able to have some agency over those things but everything else is getting pushed aside for her and i don't know if she had full control of her faculties would tara actually be with drusilla now yeah except they kept talking about love and relationship and my love and blah 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 so i do think it's more than just having fun and having sex i'd actually be okay with that it was like two evil people were just like drew you know lost her the love of her life and you know, Tara's like, oh, I have no inhibitions, you know, let's get together, let's hook up, I'd be fine with that. But to me, they were trying to, like, have a relationship, and I just didn't feel it. And then, to me, the, the additional part of lack of agency just made it creepier. Mm -hmm. um, but back to the point, too, about how Tara let herself get caught up in this. I don't think she was power-hungry, but she does say at some point, I think when she's turned back to Tara and she's talking with Anya, that she realizes she must have that something, like a darkness in her that she didn't think she had. And that's where I'm, I'm, I want more backstory because I find a... I have a hard time buying that. Not that Tara didn't make mistakes in our universe, because obviously, like, when she was afraid she was going to turn into a demon because of the story she was told by her family, and she does that spell that makes them unable to see demons, you know, that that's obviously a mistake, but it's not a power-hungry mistake. It's not, like, darkness intent mistake. So I just don't see that aspect to Tara. And I'm not saying that this alternative universe Tara was, like, had that real deep in her but they kind of talk about it so I just it for me it just didn't work for me I get everything that you're saying but that that whole aspect and I just I I found evil Tara kind of boring honestly like I mm. didn't think she was wicked enough that's why like I wish Kurgan was there more um and made her actually like I, the slow transition was actually kind of boring I would have mm -hmm. like made her the transition part would have been fine, but I would have made her darker. And then like these rare moments pop out. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt that was a little talky to me and not, okay. a, so like I said, a lot more telling rather than showing. Right. There's a lot of pacing issues, I think, with that and just trying yes. to keep it and just trying to keep it moving um, yeah. and going on. But again, trying to, I do, I will agree. I think there was a lot of um, extra exposition of things that happened yeah. that could, that could have been cut out like there could have been like new information or new stuff that could have come out 
or more backstory that could have been filled in instead of some of the like similar exposition. And I wonder if that's based on like, I wonder if that's one of those like production things that they were that of the it's written this way because of how we're producing the work. I I and yeah, I, I don't be. know. I don't know if that's the case or not because there were lots of times where I felt like they were repeating the same things over and over and over again and Agreed. I was like, yeah, you just like you just said that, but yeah. I think the repeating is and I think maybe it's I'm repeating it because we're doing it in this because we're in a very specific style of something. And yeah. so the need for the repetition is important in case you missed it the first time. I don't know. Um could That's... be. Um, like I said, you've listened to more of these kind of uh, audio dramas, the recent ones, than I have. So I don't know, you know, what's typical of this style. Well, and that's the thing is that because in the ones that I have listened to, I, I, I don't think, I don't remember getting as much of that kind of repetition and all of that stuff um, as I have in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I felt like I got more... I got a lot more like exposition-y talk mm-hmm. of what's like of what just happened over and over again in this than I have in other things. So I think they could have I think they could have gotten more story into it or or even more backstory into it. I wouldn't have mind um more backstory for sure. Yeah. Um to fill in some of those gaps or to answer some of those questions that we have. Yeah. Um Shout out to Mr. Pickles, by the way. <laughs> I go back and forth on whether on Mr. Pickles. On um, whether I like him or not. I do think it's interesting they bring in familiars, because that's certainly nothing that has been brought into the show. Mm-hmm. Well, the Buffy verse, because it wasn't even in Angel either, where a witch has a familiar. It's certainly common in other right. um, tales about witches and witchcraft. Um having a familiar well didn't amy have one or amy's mom have one that i mean they had a cat and well, they had a cat and i don't think they ever said that she that was the familiar um, um i don't mind that they brought in that she had a familiar i'm going yeah. back and forth on whether mr pickles worked <laughs> i mean i think it was i mean it was again like mr pickles is like a, a, a total plot device i mean it's lovely yeah, but I, it's I a total to say- plot vo- plot device to for to get that exposition of the stuff happening in her head out of her head without it being like you know yeah no i was gonna say i'd rather have that than her just monologuing all the time so that way it does work yeah i agree yeah um Uh, i'd like to give some shout outs to um olivia Shout out yes! to Olivia. Oh my god, Olivia. And then she and Giles got married. Love that. That loved, made me super happy. Loved everything about that. Um, shout out to Ethan Rain. Yeah, that shout was nice. Shout out to Ethan Rain. Um I really enjoyed that. Um and shout out to jo- Ghost Jonathan. Oh my god, that's right. Ghost <laughs> Jonathan was so on point. That was so Jonathan. He was like he again, he felt like really nice and like back into it. Yes. Um as well. He was like Jonathan from high school, Jonathan. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, now I want to know what he did to get Anya or Anyanka pissed off. No, it was Anya. It was Anya. Yeah, it was Witch Anya. That's right. Yeah, Witch Anya who turned who um, Witchy Anya. Um, Um, Yeah, he did 
to piss her off that she cursed him to be trapped in the uh, cemetery. Right. Oh my god! And the fact that he would be like, "Ooh," according it was like, "Do you have to do that every time?" (laughs) Ooh, I'm scaring you, like (laughs) because that's just what he thinks (laughs) a ghost would do. Um, Exactly. Um, I really loved the bonding between Cordelia and Indira, and particularly that like final sequence Mm -hmm. um, in the last episode where. Indira talks about why she wants to stay and she makes Cordy cry and Cordy gives her a hug and oh yeah but also like they're when they were training before the big battle mm-hmm. and the back and forth advice to each other I think it was really great that they each had something to learn from each other as the new slayer and the very experienced slayer yeah I, that, I really liked that that was probably those moments were probably I, I felt the most um, um well one set of moments I felt the most emotionally the other set was how Spike was with Drusilla um you know when yeah. he oh, like when you really felt bubble. like that relationship even though yeah. he knew he was not going to go back to her he couldn't that he'd have to take her out in the end and he was willing to do that um oh, it was so beautifully played I think those were two, the two best um emotional arc stories yeah, I would I would agree. Like the the emotional stuff between Cordelia and Indira is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um I re- I really liked that. Um and Spike and Drusilla, yes, totally works. I mean, it just I mean, again, it's like it's old Spike and Drusilla and like the two of them trying to take over the world. It's it's season 2 all over again and it just mm-hmm. feels um it just feels right. Um, and then I guess, like, when you know, when you know that he's actually not going to betray us and do all this other stuff, it makes everything else that he does so much more impactful. And yeah. even when they're in the bubble, when she casts a spell and puts them in that bubble, and it's just the two of them together mm-hmm. talking about that. And he's like, I'm so sorry, but it was so great to see. Like, it's it's truly like the breakup of, you know, that's your dating antichrist. Like that's the one who you cannot like get rid of. Like, well, that's and, your first yeah. love, man. You never forget your first love. Yeah. Well, technically second, if you want to count. Well, Sussie. second, if you're not count. <laughs> well, third, if you want to count as mom. I True. Mean- <laughs> I mean, but to be fair, there was no weirdness in that. I mean, that was just he was not, a mama's boy. Not until not well, until she turned him, and then she was like, "Yeah, but as we get back up in here with Mitch, then she made it weird." Then well, I think that's more the weird. demon. Made it weird. I feel like his mom completely left the body, and it was only right. the demon that took over. But anyway, to to get back to Spike and Drusilla, I think also it was a beautiful moment of closure for Spike to sort of get his, um, you know, take back some of what Drusilla took from him by cheating all the time, by putting Angelus first. Um, so I thought that was a nice moment of kind of closure and maybe resolving some unresolved issues for him. Not that, not that he talks about it, but just knowing what we know from his time on the, sh- on the show. Yeah. Oh, um, some of the other things that I really enjoyed, um, and just kind of, um, going back to sort of quotes and things like that, uh, the 
the Spike and Cordy relationship. I really liked that. I liked the fact that after they fight at the hospital, he kind of hits on her. And he's like, so, are you seeing anybody back in your university torture triangle? And she's like, are you kidding me? Are you hitting on me right now? Is this actually happening? He's like, yeah. yes, I actually find you attractive right now. Um, and then she says, and again, great quote, and I feel like this is so on brand for Cordy, especially in a Cordy of this universe, being beautiful isn't my goal. I just have good genes. Yeah. Thank you. Stop making it like I'm trying to be beautiful for you. Yeah. That's just who I am. I can't do anything about any of that. So leave it alone, buddy. <laughs> I had to throw my gauntlet down. Well, pick it, pick it up and put it back where you got it. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely had really good chemistry. Yeah. I, 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 at first, when I heard that, I loved it. And then I think by the third time I heard it, I liked it a little less, not because it wasn't awesome. Like it was an awesome moment and the chemistry was there. But then I started to feel like a little too much. It was like, oh, you put a hot woman who like has superpowers or who can like stand her ground and like, spike is into her because there's you know like indira teases him for being into miranda and then then there's the cordy thing and i i just felt like that actually wasn't fully true to character i mean maybe that's true now but it wasn't like he was hitting up all the slayers he'd fought before you know buffy is the like was the special one you know i it's not that i don't think cordy and spike would have a little bit of flirtation i don't know it just felt heavier to me and i may be like overthinking it because there certainly was that moment in the episode where he went to take i believe is the one he went to take back the gem from angel and he um or, or is in the garage and cordy and Doyle and Angel are coming out and he's like, oh, Cordelia, you look good. You lose some weight. And she's like, yeah, I've been working out. But there wasn't as much heaviness in it. It was kind of sure. just like a light flirty, which, and if maybe that moment in the the audio drama had been it, I'd be okay. But I feel like they kept it going. Well, yeah. And there was you definitely know. this idea of like, oh, he's going to like, you know, kind of play it. Like, I, I don't know. Like the, I, I don't think it should happen. I don't think that Cordy and Spike no, should get together at all. And um, I wasn't worried about that. I don't feel like that was in any way implied that that might happen. Right. Um. I mean, I don't, I don't mind him hitting on her. Like, that feels, I mean, to me, that kind of feels par for the course for Spike. Not, not even just because she's a slayer. Um, but more so that she is a strong, powerful woman. And I think that's the thing that he, because even with, even with Faith, I mean, oh, that's true. Even I with forgot Faith, about that. I mean, Faith kind of does a little, she's doing it, you know, Faith does all of this stuff to Spike when she does the body swap. She does all of that stuff for like, you know, for the laugh and for the like doing all that stuff. But when they're in the basement together and they're having that conversation, I think Faith is a little bit different because, like, that conversation was, like, felt like two pals talking together. And it was, mm -hmm. like, she was, like, yeah, I can hold my own with you, so I'm not even worried about, like, I'm not even worried about what you think you might yeah. be able to do with me because it's all the same. It's all, you know, 
naughty nurses and schoolgirls and bullwhips and you know I I know your number so I'm not even worried about you um and so but I think with this whole thing I just I just think he's attract I think Spike is just attracted to strong confident powerful women I think that's his type and so because he doesn't really he really doesn't do anything with Cordelia until she like really kicks some ass. And he's like, Oh, okay. Ooh, that reminds me of a little bit of the time when we were out on patrol. Me and like, I think he was like, you happen to be very attractive right now because you were incredibly strong and confident um, and powerful in that moment. And that made me attracted to you. So I figured I might as well ask <laughs> and see. yeah no i totally get that i just can't I, I go back and forth on whether i liked it i guess part of me is at first i was like oh cute but like the more i listened the more i like kind of got annoyed with it more so too because of everyone like saying spike was that way and like making fun of him and it kind of felt like it took away from the journey he went on in falling for buffy and that that it was that very specific sequence of events that took him on his emotional arc and then got his soul so it just felt like it was and I don't think that was the intention at all I it's more how I'm feeling about it it just felt like it took away from that a little bit even though like the the series uh, overall does a very good job of recognizing his journey and Indira you know is certainly his cheerleader for what he's done um so that was that was all for me that was just kind of how I was feeling about it yeah. How did you feel about how the story sort of wrapped itself up? Like how, like, sort of the resolution of, you know, getting rid of Kurgan and all of that stuff and um, Indira having to do the spell. Yeah, it, you know, actually it felt, it had very season six finale vibes to me. Um, mm. Taking place in the magic box evil witch Mm -hmm. giles getting severely hurt and then him like telling anya what the solution was and Mm -hmm. in the you know before in season six it was xander and you know um but here it was indira and so i I, that's not a bad thing i kind of liked the the parallels Mm -hmm. um i thought it was fine i thought it was very within the buffy verse um yeah it's for me it worked how about you yeah i i had the same i had the same thought about it was it was very like season six Mm -hmm. you know fighting in the magic box like my fireball kicked your thing's ass and like you know (laughs) um this whole thing going on and it's like it's you know sander is the key or whatever interior is the key like it's yeah no dawn is the key we all know that dawn is Um, well, after you, if you think about it, even though Indira is a slayer, I mean, she's a newbie. So in some ways, she's also like Xander and that she, you know, she may have the powers, but she doesn't have the experience. Right. You know, it took like an act of giving yourself, which is mm-hmm. what Xander did. I mean, he was willing to sacrifice his life in order to talk his best friend down. Right. And so not that the way Indira bled was going to take her life, but, you know, it was still a, a giving of essence of life um so yeah so they say something that's really interesting that i don't that's that i don't necessarily agree with and and this and or maybe i i don't know you tell me okay so giles says something about indira he says he, he says that like 
um because they're talking about she needs to bleed into the book and all this other stuff and it's yeah. like and he's like and it's her innocence right that makes her and he's like and i think that's one of the reasons why she is chosen and i think that's one of the reason why he basically alludes to the fact that like because there's this sort of you know this innocence or this whatever that she has in her is part of the reason why um i wish i had have the exact thing of why she was chosen and that like that's why all those girls are chosen right um yes oh go ahead i so i don't know if i i don't know if i believe that or not i don't know if that's something that i hold true because i don't know if i can necessarily it's hard to tell because we haven't like i don't have a lot of we don't have enough slayers to like yeah compare to, to. to compare to but like okay. if i'm looking at faith like i don't maybe she did and that quickly got taken away from her yeah I, I think innocence is such a is the wrong word I think what they were going for I get it's more like an inner strength an inner you know it's like an inner moral compass doesn't mean that that moral compass can't get you know uh, veer off the path I could see that being more, but yeah, I wasn't in love with that either. Um, I mean, I think it is interesting. They try to answer the question yeah. of how are these slayers chosen, but based on the ones we know, I just think, I don't know that that shows up yet. I mean, if you think about all the potentials we got to know, mm -hmm. you know, that had more of a, a, a backstory. Um, I guess I, to, I guess in some ways, what, to me, what they were trying to get is at the end of the day, they'll step up. Um, yeah, I guess so. It, yeah. It, it, it may take a while to get there because when you think about it, it took Faith a while to get there. But mm -hmm. Faith put herself in jail when she could break out at any time. Right. So, you know, she stepped up in the end. Um, but even, she, the, I mean, but she, I mean, even before that, like there's, there's not a lot to tell us of like what face like childhood was like right but we obviously know. get the sense it was terrible and nobody sure. did anything to help her so if she'd gotten the help she needed i don't think she would have fallen down the path that she did so i just wonder like is it like it feels like based on what we get i mean right. for the most part it feels like really the like the major criteria for being a slayer is that your life is real fucked up before you become a slayer. So that, because we know you can handle some difficult stuff yeah. and then, cause life is about to get even more difficult for you because that seems to be everyone's story is that. Except it's not something... Kennedy's story. I mean, other than if you consider her the poor little rich girl, but like she obviously comes from a very wealthy family. Yeah. You know, I mean, it could be that she, it, you know, I think it sounds like she was probably raised by nannies, so she doesn't necessarily have the love of, like, parents, you know, who just kind of treat her as, you know, a requirement to have right. heirs. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's that. I mean, because it happens in, I mean, it happens in Frey. It happens with, True. with you know, even with Buffy to some extent. I mean, you know. Yeah. So I I don't know. So I, I that one I was a little like, uh, whatever, but I get it. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. So let's let's I keep going. The attempt anyway. Yes. Yes. The attempt of like how is a like how are people chosen? Um, right. you know, but there's you know, and she's saying there are hundreds, maybe even thousands activated like 
probably every year because it seems around you know it seems like sometime around that age 14 15 whatever you know they link it to that sort of the time of when you might get your your cycle or whatever right. like that that's right. around the time that you become activated so that there are hundreds of thousands getting activated every year yeah um of course then the show implied in the way they did the montage and chosen there were girls younger um potentially well the girl playing baseball i guess the baseball yeah the it's hard to tell what one, yeah there's no telling she was, she was yeah. playing softball so i mean yeah she could have been like 10 or 11. i mean she could have been 11 or 12 she could, i mean she could oh, have she, been 13 she might have just she didn't look small. yeah she didn't look that old to me she was more like yeah maybe 10 but I, it's hard to tell so yeah. we, we don't have that laid out so what were some of your favorite parts moments aspects of the story all the all the things the music i loved this sort of like idea of like spikes i like i have all these like very theatrical ideas behind it all and and so like one of the things that i really love is just this idea of like spike sitting almost in like like um in caritas like in a situation like that and he's like sitting on a stool with a curtain behind him with a spotlight smoking a cigarette and being like so this is what happened and it's like this jazzy blues number Uh, (laughs) i choreographed a whole like modern dance piece behind him (laughs) that was just me um i just i just had this like great idea of him being like sitting on the cigarette and like talking to an audience full of of like demons and telling them what's going on i just like that idea just felt so um rich and wonderful and was such a great previously on um sort of situation for each episode um and that music was just so like so right it was so like noir for me it had that that sense of that so i really i really liked that um there were some great quotes in there too there were some really lovely Oh my uh, god. I was like as I was taking notes and listening to all the episodes, I definitely wrote down some like quippy lines. There were so many good ones. Yeah. Um I, oh. I'm scrolling through my notes. One of them was when Spike told Clem that he's the new Giles. Oh yeah. <laughs> he got knocked out. I was like, yeah. You've got, you've got knocked out once. <laughs> and you're out for the rest of the fight. Exactly. Um, and then Cordelia said to Indira at some point, you're a spunky little Muppet. I like I, that. I love oh that one. Oh my god, one. that was I so love Cordelia. That. You're, you're a spunky little Muppet, aren't you? That was um, awesome. Uh, but another one was like, um, let's see. Oh, oh, when they're talking about Spike, they're at the poker game. And she's like, he's a dead thing with a dead heart and dead things can't love. I just, like, there was something about that that was like, man... That's harsh. That's way harsh. That's way harsh because his whole thing, and of course he takes offense to it because like his yeah. whole thing is that he is a lover and a fighter, but like he works so hard to, you know, he has loved so hard in whatever way is possible. And so for someone to be like, you are dead, your heart is dead. And just, beca- and for that reason alone, you are not allowed to love. 
but then later on he says i've been making he tells jonathan in the graveyard he says i've been thinking making impossible things possible for thousands of years and i'm like yes you have spike thank you <laughs> <laughs> fuck y'all <laughs> yes yes exactly doing it the most i mean yeah um so we talked about I thought this was interesting, whether it was intentional or not. I loved it because we talked about how Buffy was the first TV show to use Google, uh-huh. um, you know, in their thing. And Anya talks about looking, doing her uh, spell to look through the different universes as like looking at Google, uh, Google Street Map. Oh yeah, and I Good was point. like, I was like, mm, I don't know if that was intentional, but I like it, and I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna pretend like they did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I like that. Um How about you? Because I, I have so many. <laughs> yeah, oh, I do too. I have a very long list of likes. I think first and foremost, I love Indira. I mean, this is such a hard world to introduce a new character to, and then she's a new slayer. And what I thought was so smart that they did, and in a way that 100% worked, is that she was like already caught up to speed on the storyline. We didn't have to do a lot of exposition because she was deep in the subreddits. She knew about Slayer. So obviously, like when the spell was done, at some point that started to trickle out. Um, whether the whole world actually fully knows or it's more like more people know, but it's still like somewhat, you know, underground. Um, I just love that. I love that, like, the reasoning why she has martial arts training so she can already, like, jump in. She just now has, like, the strength to match. I thought that was awesome. I really, her backstory made so much sense. Um, I just loved everything about it. And you could tell, um, when, when I was listening to her, I was like, she's so good at um, acting in this medium that I had to, you know, of course, look up the actress in IMDb. And one of her biggest roles has been, and you kind of only know this if you are connected to toddlers in your life. And I have that through nieces and nephew, but she was the voice of Doc McStuffin, which is like a really well known. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, that. oh, no wonder she's so good at this. And she's done other voice work, but like that was one of her, her big uh, roles. And I was like, well, no wonder she's so good at this. Um, oh. you know, you could, t- she really could act with her voice. Um, and the same with James Marsters, because, you know, he's done books on tape. Mm-hmm. He's done that, uh, Dresden series. Um, not that I've ever listened to him. Now I kind of want to go back and like, actually is that the Dresden files? That. Is that what? Yeah, I think that's that what that is. The Dresden okay. Files. Yeah. Um, he was excellent. I thought charisma was excellent. Um, to me, the, and, and Clem, those four were like t- mm-hmm. some of the best voice acting uh for the entire series yeah i would i would agree i think i loved indira i thought again such a like such a hard role to like step into and to be but also the idea of like introducing you know this slayer who just got their powers that morning literally (laughs) over breakfast was like Oh my god, what happened? <laughs> like I know. Like, you know, he says Wheaties, but that feels like very generic. But I'm just I like yeah. want to know what that scene looks like where she's like eating breakfast and all of a sudden this like wave and rush of strength just 
washes over that she likens to like getting your period for the first time except it's way more bloody because with, the killing, awesome. with the killing and the blood and the guts <laughs> so. it was, whether it was intentional or not it was also a nice callback to the movie where yes. in the movie she had cramps and that's how she would know the and vampire was there yes um which i i am glad they cut that out when they did the show yes, but um felt, whether it's intentional or not was a good connection to that yeah and i just i loved how like just her f- vocal flexibility of stuff yeah. where like where she found humor in her like and the use of her voice and how she you know yeah. i just really liked it she gave her character so much texture for me yes the other thing i loved was and this is where i'm kind of inferring um, the intention behind this part of Indira's story, the fact that she knew so much about slaying so that when she ended up being activated, she was so excited. And she also knew going into it, she was going to be part of a sisterhood. Mm-hmm. To me, that just shows what Buffy's done. Like, mm-hmm. of course, there's going to be consequences from that spell, but it shows like how different the lives of slayers are. And, and, you know, there's an em- embrace and excitement versus thinking about like when Buffy was called and it was all it was is a burden. And you really see that in the Cordelia um, in this series, that the heaviness, the burden of being a solo slayer mm-hmm. and how that is 100% changed. And granted, we haven't met other slayers yet. I'm sure some of them feel the burden, but I just loved that dynamic um, in showing what is different in the main universe right with the spell activating all the slayers well and and again if you we're going back to sort of the comics one of the things that i do remember about the comics is that this idea that what buffy has done by activating all of the slayers and what she chooses to do when she like um reinstates the council um or reforms the council to be you know she creates an army Right. is what she does is that she creates an army of women who are able to fight and take down the forces of evil and so like the watchers are no longer like one watcher one girl it's like a one watcher over like i'm the watcher of you know scotland or i like i have a territory that i have to like that i'm like helping to support the women in this territory and so much so that again spoiler alert that like there is a big bad in the comics that tries to stop buffy because they think that she's gained too much power and then like surprise it's angel and all that other um nonsense but um because angel doesn't agree with what she's done now which again doesn't whatever um sorry that's a whole nother podcast that is a whole nother podcast for a whole nother time (laughs) it's kind of ridiculous um but what okay that's so much better um what i lost my train of thought what was i saying we're talking about indira and oh yes sisterhood yes her being a part of sisterhood and her being like this idea that she was like i like i know all about everything which again yes i loved that like that she already knew because when she meets spike for the first time she's like wait you mean spike like summer's rosenberg giles spike like that (laughs) that one oh my god i already know everything about you and we're like great because so do we and we do not have time for a recap 
<laughs> we need to move this story along. Um, yeah. I thought she was also, like, in those moments, like, the voice of us, the fans, too, yes. which I loved. That was really, like, yeah, just a cool moment. Yeah. And just... And she even brought up some, like, even she brings up some really, really interesting things. Um, when she talks to Giles and she's like, so, um, when you were a kid and you were, like, into dark magic and probably drugs <laughs> and stuff and you didn't want anything to do with the Watchers Council and then um, you became a Watcher and then Buffy's Watcher became, like, brutally murdered and then they sent her to you? What's that about? <laughs> and then they made you be Faith and Buffy's watcher. watcher. And Faith was out of control and her watcher had been killed by a demon. Oh. <laughs> what I'm wondering now is, because I know so many of them go to the con- conventions, I wonder if these are like fan theories they've heard over the years and they were like uh, incorporating them. That's, that would be amazing. <laughs> it feels like it, but I mean that in a good way. That would be amazing because it is such a weird thing. And I never once thought of I never once thought about nope. those questions about like, you know, why was Giles specifically like the one, you know, chosen for that. But then we see in the other alternate reality that Giles is also Cordelia's watcher. Oh, yeah. Um so he was meant to be in Sunnydale, like, you know. But apparently Buffy wasn't. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. Um Buffy who? Right. That's what we're saying in this one. Buffy who? I don't know how many times she was like, I do not know who this Buffy chick is. Exactly. Um, um so we kind of already talked about it earlier, but I still want to give Clem all the love. Oh my god, I love Clem so much. I love his story. I love everything about him. I'm like, give me more, give me more, give me more. I just feel like there needs to be like a round of applause, like thunderous rounds applause for Clem. Um yes. excuse me, Clement. Because he, when he wants to be fancy. fancy. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh my God. So awesome. Yeah, I just I adored him. And I loved that they, I, again, like kept true to what was happening because everything yeah. that he did, like he's, and to give him this like tragic backstory really of like that he's in pain all the time and that here's a, here's a demon who's in constant pain 24 7 and does not know what life is like without pain but chooses to be happy despite the like copious amounts of like unforgiving pain that he exists in that is such an inspiring thing to think about like that is such an amazing thing to think about that we can that being happy can be a choice for some of us Mm-hmm. Like, even though we exist in pain and we exist in in trauma and tragedy, we can still choose to be happy. We can find a happiness in a grape soda. You know, we can, like, spending time with our friends, playing poker, you know, and even though we don't want, we're not eating kittens anymore, you know, we're still, you know, we collect our vintage cars and we, like, we find a hobby and we do all these things to make ourselves happy. And I think that's just, I mean... That made me love him even more. I was just like, ugh. Yeah. And so then when he does have to do the violent things, that makes it all the more the more tragic, really, because it's like he doesn't want to. But he like, but he's doing it because he's saving his friends and he's doing it because like it's an emergency. Like he has to. He's in peril. 
but it's not something that he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they did a really good job with Clement. I do too. I love him. Yeah. I think my other favorite, my favorite moment of his is second best friend. <laughs> second best friend. I was like, oh my god, where has this idea been my whole life? This oh. is awesome. You're my first, this is such a, like, elementary school, like, middle school, yes. you're my first best friend, you're my second best friend. Um, Clement, if you're taking applications, I will gladly apply for your third best friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, can we tie for third? Because I'm so there with you. All right, favorite, do you have a favorite callback? Oh, let's see here. Favorite callback. Ooh, that's hard. Um, or one that pops to mind that you loved. I mean, I, I have, mine was Spike singing from the musical. Oh, yeah. That was yeah, like everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. That um, was so good. I mean, I loved all the callbacks, but that one was so unexpected. Yeah. And that he was actually in a Sunnydale cemetery. Yeah. And it was just, it was like everything. Yeah. So many years ago. I was like, oh, um, I loved, yeah. You know what? Actually, here's one of my. This is and maybe it's not a callback, but it is just. But it is such a like a pure like character trait that as soon as it happened, I was like put right back into it. And it's Drusilla, and it's her doing their her like. Do it again! Do it again! Do it again! Yeah, and she's like doing around and around and around, and I was like, "Yes, Juliet! Like, give me all of it!" It was just, it just took me back to that place, and it just shows how like in touch with that character she is, and how. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she was another one who was fabulous. Yeah. And you could even tell, it was so subtle, but you could tell those slight differences um, in that Drusilla, as they said, she was more ambitious. Mm -hmm. She was almost m a bit more coherent. And like, it was so subtle, but you could tell that in the performance, yeah. which just is mind-blowing. Yeah, she, I mean, so good. Like, oh, yeah, it was... Oh. So a couple of the things I was going to talk about that kind of didn't work for me more on a like small. Yeah. Let's scale. talk about what didn't work. Okay. <laughs> Some more about what didn't work. Uh, okay. The fact that Anya puts the gem of Amara on um, gem of Amara is specifically said yes. to only be for vampires. Yes. Yes. That drove me nuts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were so good on so many things. And I was like, really, really? Right. Like I'm go to the Buffy wiki page. It says it right there. It is specifically I, for vampires. Yeah, because I did. I was like, Google, just to make sure. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And I was like, yes. So that was a minor one. Um, And then you and I had talked about this offline, but. <sighs> yeah. The fact that Sunnydale in our universe still exists and that they can go to the magic box and it is not all sunk into the crater. It doesn't crater. make sense. It doesn't I'm make sorry. sense. It's a sinkhole in the middle <laughs> of the Like the entire city is gone. Everything is like in the middle of Sunnydale. Like it's in yeah. downtown Sunnydale. <laughs> downtown Sunnydale. I always felt like the high school probably wasn't all that far from downtown. No. So like if the high school went out, then... No. For sure, downtown went out. Sure. The mall was destroyed. Right. They said, like, the mall is gone. Like, right. everything is gone. When they leave, 
and they get just outside of town. Literally, they're on the other side. The town sign that says, welcome to Sunnydale, falls into the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, there is no more town left. Yeah. And now I think in the comics, they do talk about, um, like, oh, the remains right. like the of stuff. Like, people go down into the The military, the like, built a base or something, right? Didn't yeah. they? In the comics? Like, I think Amy lives down there or something like that. Like, yeah. they, there are people who survived or whatever, or they're, right. you know, which makes sense because a witch may be, like, cast a protection spell around her yeah. to keep her from the rubble or whatever. But, like, there, I think in the comics, there are people who are living down in the sinkhole. So that's fine. I don't have a problem with them going back to Sunnydale and, right. like, doing all that stuff. But the idea that, like, there's just this like random street on the edge of the sinkhole that yeah. like didn't quite go in and the magic box just happens to be on that. Right. Did like that kind of was like, okay, we could yeah. have figured something out. Um that didn't work for me. Although yeah. funny enough, as much as that didn't work for me, if we're gonna like, okay, accept the fact that that's the case. I did like that Willow and Giles built that trap door. Yeah. Because like we they didn't do stuff like that in the show and i know that was sort of the the show's decision to like not make to make things to not make things easier all the time like you had to like you know put those challenges up so they could overcome them but it was like it makes so much sense right. there are things that i feel like i wish they had done more with like magic that just protective stuff that seemed like it would make so much more sense like it's all so of anya all the the protective spells Anya has on mm -hmm. the magic box, you're like, yeah. why didn't they do that on the show? Right. I mean, especially considering the magic box was like broken into and like destroyed every yes. week. Like how many was, owners <laughs> were killed? Right. And all the owners before were killed and all that stuff. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense. Um, I loved the um I did will say for the magic box, I loved the trapdoor and I loved yes. the um the holy water like sprinkler system going off. Like I really so liked good. I thought those were great. Um great things this is the other thing that i didn't quite get and i was a little confused about right and i'm because it wasn't specifically said and so i'm just wondering if this is implied because the magic box is a public space mm -hmm. vampires can enter public spaces so my question is was Anya and Tara living in the back of the magic shop, which made it then a residence? Because if someone is living in the place, then it becomes a residence. And so then they couldn't come in. And since their names were on the lease, and because uh, then Tara could have let her in. But if it's just a place of business, then there was no need for the, the barrier spell doesn't apply. True. Or they, was there a they... spell that... That was that what I was going to say. Like, make it so that you needed Barrier. an invitation. Kind of like a version for, you know, public spaces or businesses. I mean, on the flip side, you know, you could always say part of the reason vampires can come into businesses are they have a sign that says, welcome, come in. Oh, because yeah. um, I don't, it was a dumb line, but it was still said when Angelus went to kill Miss Calendar. And she's like, how did you get in? And I was like, really? It's a public school. He's also been in a million times. So like, I always thought that was such a dumb line that she asked him that. But then he says the Latin motto of the school and had yeah. something about like all 
it to, says well uh welcome ye all or something all who seek knowledge right that's it yeah, welcome, yeah. so it welcome could be all, like sort yeah. of the same thing like i mean i don't think that's true of the school because it's a public school <laughs> but like they screwed the, the themselves with that comment of her going how did you get in i mean maybe she didn't mean it in the sense of where's your invitation more that like all the doors are locked up because she was there so late at night i never thought of that it could be that way but anyway yeah. it could be the same for businesses like they could technically have that protection but when you put in a sign that says like welcome come in yeah um, then that yes like yes breaks the open, magic yeah. right because I mean, it becomes a, a continuous open invitation correct. for anyone who wants to correct. come in which is why i kind of felt like well all businesses are like that so yeah um so that was a little confusing like to me that was like huh that's a, a rule situation that maybe we need to like think about but you can justify it and figure it out um it didn't um but they made such a big deal about um talking about you know how are you getting in here i didn't invite you in you know and i think they made such a big deal about that and you know which i felt was more of like a lead into the reveal of tara more than anything else mm -hmm. yeah you know then so to use that to use that device as a reveal that tara and anya own the shop together and tara's gone bad as opposed to anything else i don't know yeah who knows? Um, one thing that I thought was a, I I we missed out on was the descriptions of like new demons. I wish I I knew what they looked like, like yeah. the hummingbird creature, like Esther, like the Penthos demons. I mean, I assume the Penthos demons were more human looking, just because of the fact that like people were saying Spike thought Miranda was hot. Yeah. Um, and she's got great boots. But you know that was it, it's not a dislike. It's just more you know I would love to like have some words to kind of describe what they look mm -hmm. like so I could I, I didn't I mean I suppose from like what they do you could kind of picture a description of someone that's a um scavenger and then somebody that's a hummingbird yeah. the <laughs> epitome of all the essence of all the hummingbirds. <laughs> so yeah like, I definitely I definitely got like this sort of uh, I got this idea for like that just this idea of like the like the flapping of hummingbirds wings yeah and sort of like how what that looks like it looks a little blurry when you look at it and it looks a little like all yeah. that but like all around her like yeah like her whole essence was like the basically like the vibration of a hummingbird wing but like with some sort of like humanoid body underneath underneath that yeah. um you know the the scavenger i just felt like i just I, <laughs> I just literally thought about like the um in Thundercats there's this like um there's a character in Thundercats that's like part vulture part man I just kind of had this sort of like with yeah. body of a woman yeah. and head of a vulture um <laughs> I went real simple with that for like Miranda I really did think was like kind of sexy and a little like you know a little um you know I envisioned some red hair maybe or yeah. something like that or you know but kind of gothy yeah um you know I don't know I hadn't I didn't have you're right I didn't have a really clear 
um, and it didn't need it like specifically details but a, a little bit more would be yeah. nice just to give us how like help the imagination but yeah mm-hmm. yeah um anything else that didn't work or um let me see i think uh... Um, we talked about, no, I think, I mean, I think those were some of the, I think those were the Mm -hmm. big things for me that, that didn't, um, that didn't work. Oh, one of the things that I kind of, again, I'm not sure if it, it worked or whatever, or like the purpose of it, it felt more like a time filler in terms of B story stuff was Mm -hmm. them turning into the blob. Uh, yeah that was like not a favorite thing of mine either it was kind of like it just it felt like okay now we've got these people and we really don't know what to do with them yeah um and so we're gonna like spend basically like two episodes with them like trapped in this blob right um you know having these weird sort of yeah, there was just, it was like, we've got these people here who shouldn't have been here in the first place because it's not about the main story, and so we have to come up with something, and so that, to me, sort of felt like what are we doing here? That that sort of didn't quite work for me, but um, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's, you know, this funny idea, and it allowed for the debate between Anya and Yanyanka and to give us a little bit more context around this idea of vengeance demons and how it works and why the mm. need to merge was so important. Which I which I will be okay with, especially if we get more. Yeah. But then we've killed Anyanka. Was she killed? They destroy Anyanka. Oh, I totally missed that somehow. <laughs> um, so I think I'm fairly certain that that's what has happened. Um, and they like there was a lot they, going on in the climax, I or maybe like... they sent her away. She's either dead or like she was sent to another dimension or whatever. But right before, because that's how Giles gets hurt, is that Anyanka? Oh, that's right. I forgot. Him, right, but like it's the last thing she does before yeah, that's right. she gets destroyed or whatever yeah that's right um so there's a lot of that 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 goes on that i'm like well i don't i don't know so i mean was it i mean i still overall i still think it's oh 100 percent great and wonderful i mean as we have been discussing in our previous episodes it's not like uh buffy the vampire slayer the show was 100 percent perfect no yeah so I think it's great to be, I mean, that we can be critical about it. I think they do, quite frankly, I think they do a great job of putting this all together and world building and doing all this stuff. It's not easy. Like, that's the thing. It's like, take, especially taking someone else's work and trying to, like, reformulate it for something that works for you all and trying to, like, satisfy the fans and do, but also do something new is an incredibly daunting and challenging task. Um, And for them to take it on and be like, yeah, we're going to do it. And to make it happen is ambitious and it's 
amazing. And quite frankly, I think a lot of the fans are happy. I know some fans are not happy, and that's okay, because you're not going to please everybody. I'm yeah, pleased, well, and that's the only one that matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the medium change. That's hard. You know, that's hard. Sure. That's another big transition. Um, you know, I think that was probably one of the things that, for the the uh, critical comments I've read or the fans that didn't enjoy it, I think that was one of the primary aspects that they were yeah. not getting into which i can understand but i also think you know like any creative endeavor if they do another series or a couple more series you know if they build and it grows and it gets stronger like that would be fantastic i would prefer that than um you know sometimes these shows that come out like perfect out of the gate and then once they did that like one perfect one additional you know in in this case more like tv shows uh, for of an as an example um you know that it's particularly like high concept ones like that first scene is amazing but then they don't really don't have anywhere to go after and i'm like no i'd rather have kind of like a so-so beginning but you build and it gets better which is what buffy did so that would be great i'm i'm okay with that it didn't have to come out perfect out of the gate i think it's great i think it's listenable it's great having these characters i think they honored the characters the actors the universe so that's to me the most important aspect um do you still have any outstanding questions i have a few outstanding questions oh, let's hear your <laughs> outstanding questions what are your outstanding questions what the heck has spike been doing since the end of angel <laughs> i and how does he make money because i love that moment where everyone's like wow spike you have a really nice place i loved that and he's they're like what do you think i'd live in a crib well uh you have <laughs> and so i'm like how does he afford the nice apartment or i th i pictured it as a loft actually like a warehouse loft um so i'm just curious about that these are more like curiosity like i need more sure. backstory not not that i felt like it wasn't it was lacking um I oh, mean, I imagine that Spike has been, like, honestly, I think once that whole big fight went down, yeah. Um, you know, between, you know, at the end of Angel, I imagine that they're, like, he spent a little bit more time with them, and then he just finally was like, you know what, forget this. I can't. I can't. There's a bigger, there's a well, bigger thing Well, most of them are involved. gone, I'm sure. I think, you know, Lauren left, uh, Wesley died, who knows what happened to Illyria, uh, uh, gun probably died unless you know miraculously is you think certain... they died in that fight well we know wesley did he died oh, with you know illyria um i have no idea what happened to illyria uh i don't think angel died i think gun probably died i mean he seemed like he was unless he got like help right then he was pretty literally gutted <laughs> from taking on all those vamps for the senator um so I could see it just being Illyria, Spike, and Angel who were left. Oh, and like I said, Lauren was like, once he completed his task to get rid of Lindsay um, and the take out their member of the Blackthorn, he was like, I'm done. He told Angel that. He's like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously he stayed in L.A. He, he's probably sort of doing the Spike version of, um, well, obviously he's working with the council to some degree because there was sort of like, he he kind of mentions that, yeah. Um, you know, along the way, but I just want to know how he made money for his nice apartment. <laughs> probably the council. I bet you, oh, like, I would true. imagine. I would imagine salary. that. 
the way that Buffy is running things now, there's a little bit more equitability yeah. and all of that stuff and the stuff where like the slayers aren't getting paid and all this other stuff. Like yeah. Buffy is providing like room and board and yeah. all of that for every girl who because they are like they are running things. There is they are a well-oiled machine and there's a lot of yeah. stuff happening and they have like command base centers all over the globe yeah um so i imagine that it's a highly funded machine and that spikes just on the payroll um although it was kind of they seemed to go back and forth it was like he was connected to the council but at the same time like he didn't really know who to contact to help indira so it felt a little like it was a little wishy-washy and and maybe that was on purpose and I'm okay with that. They'll like explain later, but it just, it was a little weird because it felt like, oh, he was connected to them, but not at the same time. So I think it, to me, it leaned more on the like Spike does his rogue thing, but it like helps out the council. Maybe he like, it sounds like he kind of is doing to some degree what he's going to end up doing in the alternate universe is like undercover. People think he's evil again. Like maybe he's been using this time to build that reputation back up anyway it was right. just those are, yeah i'm i'm filled with endless curiosity yeah i think like i think even like to that question because that does bring up a question because i think like in in our universe or whatever like the watchers council you know which andrew is a watcher now and so right. like <laughs> that's true which is you know <laughs> ridiculous but whatever it's i mean it's it's great i love it um yeah. and he's very suave now and he's like buffy can't see you like when angel tried he's like she can't see you right now she's dealing with him um when they have that whole thing and andrew yeah. comes onto angel and does that like it's a very di- i think the structure is different and so like he interacts with like he interacts with slayers a lot i imagine and so i think that's probably how he's getting information back to the watchers council or whatever is like yeah, via the I slayers like i don't think a... he's like hanging out with like andrew and like well maybe he is <laughs> no but i mean he was such a core part of it like i can't imagine when buffy finally finds out that he's back that there's not at least a phone call between them like where they ended up i'm not saying they get back together i'm not saying there's anything romantic but like she basically was like he was the only one he depend she de- he was the only one she depended on by the end and again not saying her life hasn't grown but like that's not just a like hey old friend like that's we make a little connection and he has the direct line to Buffy if he's working with the council, like assuming Buffy's still with the council. Maybe she's retired too, but we know Willow's in London because that was it. Anyway, lots of questions. Like there's not an answer, but I have so many questions. I'm going to have to go back through the, I'm going back through the comics for sure. Just to like fill in some of those gaps. Well, that's like so different. I mean. I know, but that's the thing. But that if that is canon, then that, then we have to kind of like depend on that, even though we're both sort of feel like, well, maybe it's not, but I just think there's some, some inferences there because yeah, you would think like you, you hope that like Buffy and Spike have like an amicable relationship. And I think that they do. I think that it's a special relationship. I just think that Buffy is, at this point, I just think Buffy is way too busy with everything else to be worried about what's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think, like, the the way this Slayerverse story has gone on, I don't think they take the comics into canon. So, like, to me, sure. it's not... Sure, but even useful. if you look at... but I mean, even if you look at what happens in Angel, um, 
you know, and they go and they go to and Angel and Spike go to find Buffy and they run into Andrew and he's like, Oh, she's in Italy with this guy. Like she's because she's off running her life now. She's not she's not worried about these men like these men anymore. Those men are a part of her past. So she's like trying to move on and doing all these other things. So Right. If assuming that's actually Buffy. Right. But then in why the comics would... in the comics, if you take the comics as canon, it's a double. Right. It's not really Buffy. Buffy was actually not in Italy. Um so yeah, there's and you know, there could be reasons for for all of that. And so again, she probably isn't c- talking to him because it's dangerous too. Like that's which is why I think that's that's why I also think that like the using the other slayers as like the message board to get those messages to sort of the inner circle of people is oh you mean like if he's doing undercover stuff right where he's like oh i'm getting stuff to the council and how he's doing that is by talking to other slayers because it's too dangerous for all of them to be together in the same place well, I wouldn't think they'd be in the same place, but I would think he could, like, you know, Willow could set up some sort of, like, magic phone that would be, like, prevent, you know, people yep. being able to access it or listen to it. And so he could still, like, make calls. Anyway, we're getting way too into this. <laughs> this is a whole different debate. Um, the other question I have is, it well, once Cordelia thought Giles was dead, as we know, he's not dead in her world. Like, who's her watcher? Does she connect with the Watcher's Council? Like, what's the Watcher's Council role in her life? These are questions I have. Yeah. And again, they may get answered. I'm just saying. That's like some yeah. of the questions that popped up. Oh, yeah. one one thing I have to go back that didn't I didn't really like, speaking of all of this with the characters we didn't see from our ver- universe of um of Buffy. Will uh, Spike says that he hasn't trusted Willow in years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? That didn't make sense. If he was going to be mad at anyone, he should be mad at Giles. And he obviously wasn't because Giles is the one who wouldn't help them when Fred was dying. So, like, I don't know. Maybe something happened in the intervening years. But I don't know. That just felt weird. And I I didn't understand why it was said. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Like, I don't know what I don't. I'm not sure what it is that Willow did that makes him not. Yeah. It just. Other. I mean. It just didn't feel necessary if they weren't going to go somewhere with it. Right. But I guess unless you're trying to like sort of wrap in some of the things that Willow did over the course of like over the course of, you know, especially in the later seasons and things that she, you know, and even just in that fight at the end of season seven, when they all kick her out and all of that stuff where he's like, oh, okay. Um, you know, yeah, maybe he... that's where the where the start of it happens, where he's like, okay, so do you really have her back all the time? But then we're doing this thing that's really cool. So I, I don't know. It, it was a weird thing to say. I think there might be breadcrumbs of reasons why he doesn't, but for him to be so, like, pointed about saying it felt odd. Yes. My whole thing is, then he shouldn't have been, like, friendly with Giles because like you could argue equally he has no reason to trust Giles maybe more than Willow so I'm just saying if it like doesn't go anywhere and it was a throwaway line I wish they hadn't done it because it just didn't make sense to me right but um anyway um all right so last thing unless you have something else you want to say overall 
Nope. I'm good. So the whole, as we know, part of the whole purpose of the audio drama was to bring justice to Cordelia particularly, but also Tara and Anya. And so this question sort of ties into the theme of our overall season for our other episodes, discussing feminism and gender in the Buffy verse or in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now it's expanding to the universe. Do you think justice was served for Cordelia, Tara, and Anya? Well, so I'm going to add and the fans into that um, statement. Good I'm going to add that was just to serve for all those people. I would say that for Cordelia, I would say yes. I feel like justice for Cordelia was I, I was served. I, here's the thing. <laughs> Let me go back. I will say I am hopeful that it will be served for everyone, right? I think we are in a place where um, the path, the pathway to justice is long. And if we get more and we get like the growth and development of the story, I think that justice could be served for, for these characters. I think we are starting to make amends to these characters um, and to give them an opportunity to have a new voice and to find um, and to give them the depth of character that they never really necessarily got while they were on the show, especially Anya and Tara. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as far as the fans go, was just to serve for me. Hell yes. I got all the things that, like, I got the stuff that I wanted. Was everything perfect? No, but justice isn't perfect. You take what you get and you're happy with it. I really liked what, I really liked what we got. Um, I want more. Um, And I, and I think it's a, and it's a great way to, to continue on the series using the original actors. I think it's smart. Um, I think it's relevant uh, and contemporary. Um, again, the only other way I think you could probably maybe shoot for like an animated series kind of situation, which may mm. or may not work um, to do the sort of same thing, which yay, maybe. Um, but I I really like this sort of like audio drama podcasty sort of uh route that they're going especially because you know the fan base is so into that realm i think i mean considering the the number of podcasts that are created out of the show what are you talking about i have no idea um we're just we're everywhere um so i i I, so justice for cardelia i think I think for the act, and again, I don't want to speak for the actresses, so I won't. Um, for the characters, I think the characters got to do some really cool and interesting things. So yeah, I don't think it's necessarily justice. I think it's an amends. I think it's a, you know, a reparation for those characters. And as a fan, I feel like I felt the payoff listening to it originally. The payoff was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if, if even though that's, you know, what the 
actors and, and, you know, the writers have, have said about one of the impetuses for this drama is, is bringing justice to those characters. I agree. I don't know if that's quite the right word, but I do think they get served really well. Um, Cordelia, yes, I agree. The best. She got served so much better. Um, certainly than what was happening to her and and we all you know know why from from what she's spoken and said in season four of angel um i i think with anya i never felt like anya needed justice i get people were upset the way she was killed at the end i understand that i didn't necessarily feel that way i don't know that she had to die but i never felt the anger that you know some or the injustice that certain fans felt about her death um that being said i you know one thing you and i have talked about maybe on our podcast but definitely offline is the inconsistency in anya's character development she feels like all over the place and partly because it was more that she felt like she was just brought in for comic relief and then they were like oh we gotta like do stuff with her and you're like i feel like you know a rubber ball being bounced around with with what we're supposed to think about Anya. So I do think she was given consistent character and character development. And I also really liked that there was, you know, whether Cordelia saw it or not in the alternative universe, there was a real, it was about sisterhood. It was about female friendships with Tara, Cordelia and Anya and them finding a way forward after experiencing, you know, trauma and changes in their life. So I really like that. I feel like Tara was the least served. <laughs> um, but again, if they continues, there could be some interesting character development to deal with the aftermath of what happened in here. Um, I, it For me, it just goes back to her storyline fully not working for me. I didn't think she was, you know, um, it's not like she was underserved or torn apart or anything as a character. It's not like it was a character assassination. Um, I just... I kind of wanted more from her storyline. That's all. Yes, definitely want more. Yes. And to your point too, you know, as far as format, you know, compared to getting an animated series, which, you know, that might, the popularity of this might revive that conversation. Cause obviously again, you don't have to factor in aging. People can record from home if they, you know, can't get to a studio if they're living in London versus LA versus, you know, New York. But I do think, I mean, you have the added expense of animation. So doing the radio drama, I would imagine it's even easier and less expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, and who knows, depending on how this goes and what the other, if any of the other former cast members listen and what they hear with it, that may get them excited and say, hey, can we do another one? I want to do it this time. Yeah. And maybe that we'll get some more people on and people who'll right. be like, oh yeah, let's do this. And then they right. can sort of like rebuild the universe right. um, on their own terms. And I and I think that to me, that's what I would be excited about is seeing, you know, the universe rebuilt on the terms of the artists who worked in it. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's something incredibly um, satisfying and fulfilling Mm-hmm. about that idea there's something so incredibly like contemporary about that in terms of what we're doing right now when we're talking like if we're talking about justice and we're talking about these things about what 
um, what artists are trying to achieve and what they're trying to do with the strike and all of those things. I feel like that's just the direction that we should be going in is that mm -hmm. it's not these studios and it's not these big producers and stuff like that who should be controlling the fate of story and right. um, and the artists who are working on it, but let the artists who are working on it and like develop and be a part of the collective that drives the thing because they're the things that the fans are into. They're the ones who we come to see you know, at conventions, and those are the ones that we have the attachment to, so let right. them have the ownership and the control of how that works, um, and yeah. see what happens, you know, we don't know what, always know what that looks like, um, right now I'm here for it, so let's, I would say let's keep going. Absolutely, and also, we absolutely need Ripper Giles Vampire. Oh that's the gosh. vibe I got from Vamp Giles. End, it was total like Ripper vampire. The end. I'm like, if we like in book, like in book two, if we're not in season two, whatever we want to call it, like if we're not getting like Ripper Giles vampire, if we're not getting Willow, if we're not getting Angelus, like, oh yes, those are the three that like I want to see those three. I want to yes. see, I want to see Angelus, Willow, and Giles as a vampire, like coming back with Drusilla fighting or something like that or or something completely different but like hints of them like teases yeah. of them in the second book to lead into a third book that right. brings them all back right you know for that because yeah fight. maybe like book two is us seeing spike build his reputation and taking right. over sunnydale mm -hmm. um but not until like the next chapter do they take down drusilla and maybe it's take down angelus right and that i feel like bringing back though like bringing back drusilla in the second book maybe not so much maybe like right. hints again yep. like hints and teases of what she's doing but yeah. it's more about like spike building his rep and yeah you know maybe there's another thing maybe the mayor's there like maybe he's like oh hooking up with the mayor <laughs> <laughs> like somewhere away like maybe there's something happening there um that we get to see and there's a whole you know there's this whole development of of, of those things happening or, bring back mr trick yeah mr trick like let's see trick come back like that mr trick would be great yeah uh, you know as another um as a person or, or kendra like you know i mean granted now we probably won't see kendra because there isn't oh yeah how the heck has cordelia been a vampire slayer for 19 years that's another <laughs> question she is that good she must be that good for sure um yeah there's just a, there's a lot there's there's mm. so much there's so much potential for everything that's happening um and i there's so many different things that they could do and i'm just i'm excited to as a fan to be able to watch and see what's happening and what they what they possibly come up with next so audible please please yes. do another one please we are here part am, two part, part two. two we want a part two <laughs> please well thank you so much for everyone for listening in to this uh bonus episode we hope you enjoyed it we hope you are having fun conversations about uh the audible series as well and if you liked what you heard please leave us a review and you can also follow us on instagram and facebook at a buffy podcast and if you want to get in touch with us how can you do that charles you can email us if you want to at a buffy podcast at gmail.com um you can slide into our dms we always <laughs> love that um we're all over socials at a buffy podcast um 
yeah, every, we're all over the place. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, um, and I'm also on TikTok. I'm personally on TikTok. If you want to follow me on TikTok, it's uh, Charlie D and D um, on TikTok. You can follow me, and I do some extra Buffy content on there as well. All right. Well, thanks so much. Have a good night. Thanks, all. Bye. Bye.